ready to go? Yeah, you ready to go? All right, I don't know where we're going, but we're going there. We're going to heaven, but not in this minute. Do not be afraid. There is no craziness going on. Um, hey, la last week we talked about uh, tithing, the heart commitment, we talked about giving, and we're in this series called We Are. Say We Are. And say We Are. We are, we are. What are we? Well, we are, we are lots of different things. We're, we're people that are on mission. We are, we are image bearers of the Most High God. We've talked about who we are as a church this whole month. And today, we're closing this series with a message that is entitled, Hope Bringers. Say, Hope Bringers. Hope Bringers. I've played play on words in the past. I've called it Hope Dealers. We're calling it Hope Bringers this year. And um, it's, it's really, we're going to be talking about our, our mission and our vision for this year. So hopefully you received one of these on your way in today. Did you get one of these? If you got one of these, hold it up. Let me know that you got it. Inside, there's a card. It's a commitment card. And if you don't have this, I'd, I'd like for you to get it. I've asked you to pray over these. I've asked you to, to read them. I've asked you to ask God what he has to say to you about the Hope Fund and what's going on in our church over this next year. I hope you've done that. Um, if you haven't got a hold of this or if it's your first Sunday here, um, you know, and, and you're like catching up or, or it's all brand new to you, hey, that's cool. But get one. Read through it. See what God says because, you know, we, we talk about giving and we talk about church and all this kind of stuff, but can I tell you something? I really enjoy worshiping with y'all. I really enjoy singing and raising my hands and praying and seeing God's word. But, but can I tell you the main reason that we're here? Why are we here? To worship the Lord. And more than any word from Nate or anybody on the stage, I want you to get a word from God. I want you to hear from his Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit magically, supernaturally, speaks through us as we communicate his word. Sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks to us like in our hearts while we're listening or sometimes it gets our attention when we're not listening. But more than anything, what I want for you, I want you to hear from God. So when it comes to our church and when it comes to the stuff that we've been talking about, so what if you're not hearing from God? It's really about hearing from God. And we talked about tithing and giving last week. And we're going to talk about vision and hope this week with our giving. But can I tell you something? When it, when it comes to your giving, when it comes to what you're doing for God, if, if this isn't a church where you feel like you can, you can do that, we want to help you find a church where you can. It's, it's not about building our brand or building like whatever about ourselves. We've met us and we're not that fantastic. I mean, we're cool. Uh, there's some great barbecue chefs in the, in the bunch. Um, but it's, it's, it has nothing to do with us trying to be cool or us trying to be something we're not. It has everything to do with who Christ is making us into, what he's speaking into us. So I want to talk about vision, and I want to talk about hope today. I want to start with a question, and for those of you who have been here a, a long time, like since the 80s, anybody been here since the 80s? Where are you at? Got a few people? Give it up for them, man. Ooh. In a world where everybody changes churches, not y'all. Y'all, y'all, y'all are here. Y'all gonna be here long after everybody else got you're gonna be you're gonna be in the carpet. You're gonna be like like your spirit is in here. They've been here since the eighties. I grew up well, I mean I was born in the eighties. Anybody anybody else anybody else young like me? Mm-hmm. Hey, what would people, and maybe you got to go around and ask some of them that raised your hand, but what would people in this church back in 1980, what advice would they be giving us today in 2023? What would their hopes be for the church 43 years later? Let me ask you another question. As you sit in your seat today, as you've tuned in, online today. Everybody wave to everybody online. We're glad you're here. What do you want to say to this church, the people that are here in 2060? That's, that's kind of like what we're talking about here. Like 40 years ago, 40 years from now. 
What are the things that you hope that the generation in 40 years will be paying attention to? What kind of church do you expect to be here in 40 years? Is this the church that people 40 years ago expected to be here? Probably not. Were expectations met or were expectations not met? Is it what God wants us to be? See, anytime we talk about vision and we talk about God's promises and we talk about the church, I think it's a good idea for us to look back, but to also look forward. What would the church 40 years ago have to say to the church today? And I ask that question because I, I think that <clears throat> what we do today matters. And so this is the point in a sermon where uh, seasoned church growth people and pastors that really like to get into church growth stuff, they, they start like proclaiming the vision statement and the mission statement of the church. And I proudly stand here before you today and I tell you, um, we don't have a vision statement. People ask me, what's your vision? I remember when I came here three years ago, and, and I was uh, voted in as the pastor. <laughs> Suckers. And uh, people came, they set up appointments with me, and they said, we want to know what your vision is. And I remember I'd look at them and be like, I ain't got one. I'll have a vision. And they were confused, and some of them were angry. And some of y'all are looking at me right now like, where's he going with this thing? Can I tell you something? At our church, we don't have like a vision statement that we're asking everybody to memorize. What we have is a prayer. We have a prayer. And, and, it, and it, we're going to say it at the end of the day before we leave because we do this every Sunday. But if we, if we are to ask the question, what does our church look like and what are we doing? It's comprised in a prayer. And it looks like this. We are image bearers of the Most High God. We are covered by the love of Jesus. We have the Holy Spirit power, the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And because of that, because of the Holy Spirit's power within us, we will freely and recklessly give away this love of Jesus, and we won't hold back. If I could say something to the pastor in 2060, if it's, if, 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 as, I better not be the pastor here when I'm 80. I just, like... I want to be on a beach, you know. I don't, somebody was like, amen, thank you. Um, what, what, are we, what, do I want, what do I want to say to the church in 40 years? I want to say you are image bearers of the Most High God. Everybody you see around you is an image bearer of the Most High God. Sure, sometimes we squander that image and sin gets in our life and we complicate things. But can I tell you a vision statement? What, we are image bearers and we have the love of Jesus and we're going to give it away recklessly. We're not going to hold on to it. We're not going to see who deserves it. We're going to live this way and we're going to be people who bring hope wherever we go. We don't, we don't have a slick vision statement, but we have a prayer. And prayers have endured for a long time. Vision statements kind of go in and out. But prayers stick with us. Some of y'all, you're in your 20s or your 30s. And this image bearer prayer is something that's, that's going to get in you. And when you're 60, I, I pray you'll remember it. Because you're an image bearer of the Most High God. And some of y'all are older than the demographic that I just put out there. And I pray you'll get it in you. Because you're an image bearer of the Most High God. Our text for today comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 15. Paul is talking to the Corinthian church here. And if you've never studied the Corinthian church, They're a fun bunch. They, if you think that the church in Stanley County is crazy and people are weird and whatever, we ain't got nothing on the church of Corinth. Nothing. That Paul has to call them down because they're sleeping with each other inside of their families, like with stepmoms 
It's crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. And he gets into this thing, and he's admonishing this church. He's, he's correcting this church. He's building this church up. And he's writing to this church. But you know what's happening in this Corinthian church? This church is growing. Like there are more people coming to this church that hadn't been a part of the church of Jesus before. It's growing. And Paul writes to them. And in verse 15, he says these words. And this is a great statement for any church that has been on the planet for like more than, more than a year. Okay? Here's what he says. Nor do we boast and claim credit for the work someone else has done. Nor do we boast or claim credit for the work someone else has done. Now, he's writing to a church. He's speaking to a church, and he's saying, we're not going to brag or claim credit for work that has already happened here. So unless you were here in the 80s and in the 90s, the pews that you're sitting on did not show up because of your giving. The air that's coming through the HVACs, you didn't have anything to do with it. The ministry that's happened in this church for the past 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, the days, anybody remember the witness production? Listen to me. Remember those? Yeah, some of y'all do. Yeah, you remember that? Like, unless, like, that's in the past. We can't claim any credit for what the church has done over these past 40 years. We can't boast about it. We can't say, look at my church. We can't say, our church is this. and that. No, Paul's saying, no, we're not going to do that. Instead, we hope that your faith will grow. We hope that your faith will grow so that the boundaries of our work among you will be extended. The boundaries of our work. See, what happened in this church and in every church in the past is the extent of the boundaries of that ministry. What Paul is saying, we're not going to claim credit. We're not going to rest on our laurels. We're not going to sit here and talk about the good old days as if there's not better days ahead. We're praying that your faith will grow so those boundaries will be pushed out further. What do we want to say to the church in 40 years? This is a really good scripture for that. He thanks God for them. But he also says we must not point to the past and claim credit. We must grow past the boundaries. Churches, the church of Jesus Christ, must not have their best days behind them. Because if that's true... That church is dead. It's done. And in this church, if you think the best days are behind us, please get saved. Please, please, please. The grace of Jesus is not done. The glory of Jesus has not faded. The hope of the cross is not over. I like that I'm actually preaching underneath the cross. The hope of the cross is not behind us. It's ever in front of us. Raise your hand if you know somebody that's hurting. Come on, all over the place. You know somebody that's hurting? The hope of Jesus could not be any more relevant. It could not be any more hope-filled. And we look at these kids that are running around this place. We look at the kids who are on the playgrounds and who are at the VBSs and they're, you know, just, we, we look at all these kids. What if one of these kids is the next pastor here, the next worship leader? What if one of these teenagers is, is one of the next county commissioners that, that start changing the ways that things are done in our county for the glory of Jesus? What, what if the people in this church and the next generation over the next 40 years is filled with people who are deeply in love with Jesus and they cause a tsunami wave of spirit-led activity across this county in ways we can never dream of? I pray, Paul says, that this faith you have will grow and will push far beyond the boundaries. Do you not pray that the faith of the next generation will be greater than yours? That is the hope of vision. 
See, somebody worked really hard in your life. And wherever you're at with faith right now, I don't know. Wherever you're at with faith, somebody worked really hard. Somebody prayed for you. Some, some of y'all know exactly who's been praying for you. Maybe they drug you to church this morning. <laughs> Somebody's been praying for you. Somebody ha- Your faith has grown as a result of what has happened. It is not bad to look to the past. But now, in a growing church, here's what we are going to do. We are going to work and apply and engage ourselves in a way that will grow our faith. Because if our faith grows, the boundaries are extended. That's what Paul said. That's what Paul didn't say. He didn't say that if you hand out so many, so many pamphlets, that if you um, have so many events, he, he, did, he didn't get into all this strategy marketing PR stuff with what he's saying to the Corinthian church. What he said is, if your faith will grow, the boundaries of the ministry, the boundaries will be extended. That's a powerful word right there, y'all. A mentor of mine said this to me a little too often, because that's what mentors do. They just repeat themselves over and over. He said, what got you where you are today is not going to get you to where you're going. What got you here ain't going to get you there. What got our church to this position, to this place over the past 40 years, 50 years, is not going to be what gets us to where God's taking us over the next 40. Now, I'm not saying that there's great massive shifts of discipleship ahead, like falling in love with Jesus and growing in faith. It, it, it is this daily daily thing but the same things that birthed this church and grew this church grew the people in this church grew the faith in this church what got us to this point will not be the same thing that will get us further along what you're doing in this church in the next few years if we talk about the church in 10 years 20 years if this is your church what you do what you give, what you invest in this church over the next three or four years, I believe has the potential to outlive whatever you do in your career, whatever you do in your job. Because we're talking about souls. We're talking about the cross of Jesus. We're talking about the hope of the world. We're talking about as, as followers of Jesus, we really believe that there is We are in this world, and we have to live in this world, but we really believe that there is a kingdom of God that is greater than this world. There is a hope of Jesus that is greater than our circumstances. It's our blessed hope. It's why some people call us crazy, because we have hope in the middle of turmoil, because what's going on outside of us is not affecting the peace that we have inside of us. What you do in the church of Jesus outlasts everything else that you do in life. I'm convinced. Here's what Paul says in chapter 8. You back up a few chapters and you go to verse 7. Paul says this. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, in your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to also excel in this gracious act of giving. Paul's saying, look, you, he's talking to the Corinthian church, it's like, you have incredible faith, The people who preach and that speak are great. You know a lot of stuff. You're really enthusiastic. You have incredible love. But what I want you to grow in is in this this act, this gracious act of giving is what he calls it. He He attaches giving with grace. Think about that. Think about that. Maybe you've been watching TV before and you've seen... Or maybe an ad's just popped up one time and you've seen the uh, NGOs and the, and the nonprofits' ads for different things that you can give to. There's one in particular that is um, serenaded by a 90s pop star named Sarah McLaughlin. And they are always giving to dogs who have lots and lots of problems. And it's the saddest music on the face of the planet. Have you ever heard it? 
It's Sarah. I've got a great impression. You want to hear my impression of Sarah McLaughlin? Yeah, there's like four of you are like, yeah, heck yeah. The rest of you are like, God, shut him up. No, no. In the arms of the angel. You know that one? There's lots of different things you can give your money to. There's lots of different marketing ploys. There's lots of different things that you can give to. Have you ever thought about that being a grace moment? When you are asked to text 1010525 or whatever the code is to give $10 now, have you ever attached that to grace? What Paul is saying here is that your giving and the ministry of Jesus and the church of Jesus and the vision of Jesus for the kingdom of God is attached to grace. Man, there's something about that that is otherworldly to me. When I look at dollar bills, when I look at bills, when I look at investment accounts, and they're not going up to the right, they're going down with investments. When I look at money, I don't think grace. I think, oh no. Or I think, woohoo, <laughs> money. I don't often think grace. Because what's grace? It's giving something that doesn't deserve. When we think of grace and we think of generous giving, this ongoing ministry, there's a statement here that Paul is making in this, in this verse. And the truth that we can extrapolate from this statement is that healthy churches are, are, are churches that are taking their next steps towards Jesus. They are identified by an ongoing ministry of generous giving. You can point them out. They are generous. They are full of grace. A church that is generous and full of grace cannot also at the same time be judgy and stinky and condescending. Can't be. Churches that are full of grace and are giving. Last week we talked about tithing. And tithing, tithing is, is this, this and, and you can, I'm not going to preach it again. Hallelujah, Jesus. But you can go back and listen to that. I made big statements about tithing of how, listen, tithing, there's an obedience thing there, but it's not this damned if you don't do it kind of idea. Jesus fulfilled everything in the law, and he also said you should tithe. Tithing is really all about my heart's condition to identify my giving with God. And we, in this church, we have people, Tracy talked about it earlier, we have people that give 10, even more percent of their income to further the work of God's kingdom in this church. Praise God. Thank you, tithers. Those of you, those of you members that, that commit to that every year, thank you. Because, man, it matters. This week, it's not about tithing, but it is about this stuff. It is about the work that we're going to do as a church to move into the future. To grab a hold of what God has destined for us. See, a selfish church, a church that withholds, and, and, and we pray with open hands all the time. There's a reason. Because withholding and holding my hands closed like this, it's a posture that just really closes in on itself. A selfish, withholding church is never going to grow in the grace of giving. It's never going to fulfill the great commandment by Jesus. It's never going to love our neighbors as ourselves. And this hope fund right here is a direct result. What happens here is a direct result of God's faithfulness and our giving. Last year we had a goal. Our goal last year was $100,000. That's a lot of money. We met our goal last year. We were, we were able to send kids to camp. We were able to partner and to launch uh, a church plant and to uh, bring along a, a, an established church and help them go into the future. We were able to do things in the community and to sponsor our missionaries. And this year, uh, have, has anybody felt the, the, the pain of inflation, like things are getting more expensive? Yeah, this year, um, our goal is not 100000 it's $125,000. That's our goal this year, $125,000. Yeah, praise God. 
Some of you are like, why are they clapping? Because he raised the price. What's up with that? We don't clap for more. Let me tell you why they're clapping. They're clapping because we as a church know that the God who provides everything can always do more through us. That even in times of want and in times of need, it's not, it's not the time for the church to shrink back in fear, but it's the time for the church to be more gracious in their giving. That's why people were clapping. Reaching the next generation with the gospel and bringing hope locally in our community and around the world is the point of the, of the hope fund. And the reason that, that, that it's $125,000 is a lot of money. It is, but can I tell you this, in, in our church, that also represents way more, that represents more than 10% of our annual budget. Like our church and the business of what happens in this community through our church, we have an annual budget that is, that is considerably more than that. This is all about outreach and all about hope. Man, I'd love to see our hope fund get to like 50% of our budget. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see the hope fun and what we do. We have a church business meeting in February. Most of the time, those are snooze fests and nobody likes to go to them. I'm excited because God's doing some cool things through what he's given us. And we're going to talk about that. And I'm also like an administration nerd. And there's not many of those like that live around me. And, and I understand that I'm on an island all by myself with spreadsheets. But I'll still bring them to you because I love them. And they're fantastic and they're great. But let me tell you what the Hope Fund is full of this year. What are, we, what are we looking at and what is God saying through us? One of the first things I want to bring to your attention is there's a section in here about a kid's vacation Bible school outreach. Now, we've done vacation Bible schools here on our campus for years. Raise your hand if you've ever been to one of our VBSs. I mean, years we've done this thing, right? This year, we're taking the VBS and we're going out to East Albemarle Elementary and we're going to be having it out there at that campus because there's a lot of kids that live at that school, around that school, that can't really make it to our VBS here. So we're bringing in ministry teams and we're taking it out into the community and at the end of VBS, we're setting up a pool and we're baptizing people and we're cooking barbecue and it's going to be fun. And people are going to come to see Jesus, and we're going to make we're going to meet people, and we're going to establish relationships. And you know what's going to happen? Our church is going to go outside of our walls, and over time, as we do this, it's going to change the way that we look as a church. I mean, I like everybody in here. Look around. There's not a person in here that I think I want to go away. But man, there's more people in this community that don't look like us. We want to go outside of our walls, bring the hope of Jesus in real time to real people with real issues. We're also doing, we've done this a couple years ago, we're doing a thing with Convoy of Hope called One Day to Feed the World. We're doing that on Easter this year. On Easter this year, we're baptizing folks again. And we're also going to have a one day to feed the world offering. What does that go for? Well, it goes for the feeding programs that Convoy of Hope has around the world. And for every dollar that comes in, it represents a certain amount of meals. We've got a goal this year through our Hope Fund of bringing in $15,000 just for one day to feed the world. Because we can provide thousands of meals throughout the world through Convoy of Hope's relief efforts. $15,000 is not a stretch for our congregation. We, we did this much a couple of years ago. I'd love to see us do more. But on Easter, we're doing the one day to feed the world thing with Convoy of Hope. What does that mean? That means that uh, you, take, you take whatever you make salary-wise and you figure out how much you make in a day. That's the offering amount that you bring. So if you make 500 bucks a week in a five-day week, how much would that offering be for one day to feed the world? $100. Five-day work week. Some of y'all work every single day. Okay, we're just thinking five-day work week. $100. Every single one of our missionaries that we support are listed in our Hope Fund from all around the world. We, we, we are, I am looking forward to some Wednesday nights coming up because we got some Zoom calls with our missionaries. I was talking to Galen and Dickie Hurtwick over in the Philippines this past week. 
They're going to be joining us on a Wednesday night here pretty soon, and they're going to be sharing about what God's doing in their life. I was talking with Gina White, who's our Chi Alpha missionary to the state, to North Carolina State School System. She's going to be sharing. I was talking with the Stamp family who are out in Kyrgyzstan, and they run, they run this missions work where they are trampsing through the tourist things and the mountains, and they are able to share the love of Jesus in different ways with people, and they're going to be with us on Wednesday night. Every single one of our missionaries are funded by the help by the Hope Fund. And all of our next generation investment, we're hoping to bring Michaela on full-time this year. We're hoping to, to bring in more interns. We're hoping to bring more uh, supplies and resources to our kids and our youth ministry. All of our next generation leadership, $125,000 is a lot of money. But if you look around in this room, if you look around on our campus today, there's about 150 adults here. And we have over 300 adults that call this place home, but we all don't come to church on the same Sunday. Y'all know that, right? <laughs> it doesn't happen. Some, some people are at the beach, some people are in Florida. It doesn't happen all the time. But, you know, uh, on Easter, maybe everybody's here for the most part, you know. We got well over 100 kids and teenagers that are calling this place home every week. Did you know that if we take that three, just out of the adults, if we take the 300 adults that call this place home, if 150 of those adults, half of those adults, will give an extra, or, or will give $20 a week to the Hope Fund, 150 adults, $20 a week, that's a good pizza, that's a decent steak, we will more than surpass $125,000 this year. I don't, it doesn't seem like that much when, when you think about it that way. It's, it's funny because... There's some people here that are going to give way more than that every week. There's some people here that are going to give less than that. And what God says is it's not about equal gifts, it's about equal sacrifice. 125000 is a lot, but it's not out of our reach. We will only grow into the future and be a part of what God is creating here if we engage in giving like God gives. If we, as Paul says in our text for today, if we push out the boundaries of the faith. If we grow in this grace of giving. Now, the preachers talked a lot today about giving. Let me tell you some things as a church that we are never going to do, okay? So some of y'all have been sitting back, and maybe it's your first time here, and you're just kind of sitting back judging. That's totally fine. I get it. If it's your first time here, and you're wanting to know what we're all about, sit back and take it in and learn, and learn what you can about us, okay? But let me tell you what we are not going to do. When it comes to giving here at our church, we're never going to pressure anybody to give. We're never going to do that. We're never, we're never going to like do high-pressure kind of things. We're going to give an opportunity, like we're doing, and we're, giving an, we're, we're going to give people an opportunity to respond. But we're never going to pressure them. You're, you're not going to get me coming to your house or somebody from our staff coming to your house with a checklist and knocking on your door and saying, hey, you haven't given yet. What's up with that? We're not going to be weird, okay? We're not going to do that. Uh, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly, reluctantly or in response to pressure. This is like Bible stuff here. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. God loves a cheerful giver. So what, one thing we're never going to do is we're never going to pressure anybody. Here's the second thing we're never going to do. We're not going to sell anything so that we can raise money for the Hope Fund. This is the difference between fundraisers and generosity. Fundraisers, like we all have like the kid that comes up to us and wants us to buy the prepackaged pizza kit or the magazine or the chocolates or the this. That is not what we're going to do as a church, okay? And if you kids or your parents around here, you've got the fundraiser things, you got to, God bless you, I hate them. I hate doing it. I hate, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell my kid, here, here's, here's 40 bucks for the thing, just don't make me do it, you know. I'm not against fundraisers. I'm just not a good fundraiser. I'm, I stink at it, and I'm terrible at it. We're not going to have a golf tournament or have a meal where we ask people to give money for a meal. We're not going to sell anything. We don't do fundraising. We give out of our generosity. Fundraising does not build you up as a disciple of Jesus, but giving will. You can't outgive God. So we're, we're not going to pressure people, and we're not going to sell things. And here's the a, here's a third thing that we will not do. 
and you should thank me for this as the pastor. That's, that's just a little flesh coming out on this third one. We will not market the church. We will not use the church or the lists of the church or the names of the people of the church as a marketing scheme. What do I mean by that? I want you to know that salesmen, salespeople, people that want to uh, get an audience where they can sell their product, they want our list of people. We can sell your information legally if we want to. Makes you think twice about wanting to put it on a connection card, doesn't it? You should think twice about it. Because if you're in a place where they are giving your information away freely, you shouldn't put your information down. I commit to you as the pastor of the church, we don't sell, share, or give away your information to anybody. We have a board of directors. We have a governing board. We, we are very tight with that kind of thing. We are not trying to make money off of you. We have people that come in and say, hey, can I have five minutes on a Sunday so I can sell my product to your church? As if this is a place of market that I stand. There's a story in scripture about a marketplace in church, what Jesus, had, what Jesus did with it. It's a fun story, you should look it up. We will not use our church or the people in our church to promote anybody else's side hustle or pet project. We will not put posters up around here for things unrelated to God's word for this church. And if you're using the congregation of this church to sell anything, and you're using the, 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 the numbers and the people and, 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 and the parking lot and the cars, if you're using anything around here to sell anything, stop it. And if I find you, I will stop you. Because that is not the purpose of the church. That is not why we are here. Why are we here? That was a little tepid, gang. Did I scare you? I'm sorry. Why are we here? Now, of course, we will recommend things. We will make resources available to you. But we will not endorse or market anybody around here outside of the glory of God. We won't do it. I will be the villain. I don't care. It is sacred. You, the church, are sacred. You are holy unto the Lord. You are not a list to be bought or a people to be exploited. You are the church of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to Jesus. So those are things we will not do. Was I a little strong on that last one? My wife tells me sometimes I can say things that come across a little strong. No? Good. Awesome. Here's what we will do. We will excel in the ministry of giving. Everybody gives something if, if, if they're in the church. We will show everyone how they can give something. We will show you your time, your talent, your treasure. Everybody, from no matter how young you are to no matter how old you are, everybody has something to give to God. Everybody can live with open hands and open hearts and open minds. Everybody can give to God. So, so like, everybody's in. It's not just a select few. We're not targeting just a, a, a list of rich people here, okay? That's, that's not the church. Are there rich people in the church? Yeah. Are there poor people in the church? Yeah. We all give. Everybody is in. Here's another thing we will do. We will ask everybody to give. Not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. We will follow the biblical pattern for giving. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, listen to this. Listen to what, the, the, this is the biblical pattern for giving here. King David is setting up the giving for the building of the temple. Listen to what it says here. Then King David turned to the entire assembly, his entire kingdom, and he said these words, My son Solomon, whom God has clearly chosen as the next king of Israel, is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous, for the temple he will build is not for mere mortals, it is for the Lord God himself. David is talking about a building project that his son is going to be in charge of. Using every resource at my command, I've gathered as much as I could for the building of the temple of my God. Now there's enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, as well as quantity of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, all kinds of fine stone and marble. And now because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I'm giving all of my private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. 
This is in addition to the building materials I've already collected for the temple. Listen to this. I am donating more than 112 tons of gold. 112 tons of gold. Let me tell you something. Shauna and I are going to lead the way in giving. You, you can ask me for our charitable giving statement. I'll show you exactly how much we give. It'll be one-on-one. I'm not going to do it like over Facebook. But open book. We will lead the way. We probably don't give the most in this church. But we're in the top ten. Because we lead the way. Now, I don't have a hundred, and what is that? A hundred and tons of gold? I don't have that. David did. How much, how much gold does that, what is, what is, how much is a pound of gold? I did the math. In today's money, that's over $5 billion. Over $5 billion of personal wealth he invested into the building of the kingdom, into the building of the temple of God. Let me tell you something. As your pastors, we, we will lead the way. We will give. We will, we will give more than, than what is required, more than what is respected, and we freely and happily do so. And our leadership team, our staff, and our board, and the people that govern this church, they will give as well. Because leadership follows. And what happened in First Chronicles? The nation then gave and everybody rejoiced. And so that's what we won't do. That's what we will do. Now what can you expect? And we'll close with a couple of stories. And if our, if our team can, can come and get ready. Here's what you can expect in giving. You can expect to see some miracles. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Every time that you give and you trust God and you take some risks, God moves. Every time. God has not, never been com- impressed with my complaining. But God is moved according to my faith. When he sees a child believing and trusting, God moves. I wanted Joel and Alicia to be here this week to tell this story, but they're not with us. They're in Florida taking care of some family things. Some of y'all know Joel and Alicia. Do we have a picture of them if we can throw that up? Yeah. That's Joel and Alicia. They've been to this church a while. Joel's, he's on our advisory board. Last year when we were talking about the Hope Fund, something really cool happened to Joel and Alicia. I asked them to write it down and give it to me. Here's their story. Last year when we were praying about what to give to the Hope Fund, God gave us both the same number, miracle number one, husband and wife having the same idea. God gave us both the same number. God told us to double the amount that we had been giving. That next Sunday, we filled out our card, and if you got that card, I want you to pull it out. That next Sunday, we filled out our card and we turned it in. That same week, my manager came to me and told me, that Alicia and I were both getting a pay raise. The increase more than covered what we had committed to give to God. Many years ago, we decided to test God with our tithes and our offerings. And his word is the truth. It's a real story. When they get back in town, you can go to Joel, you can go to Alicia and say, hey, Nate told this story. Is that for real? They made the commitment that week they saw a miracle. I guarantee you, as soon as you commit to give what God is impressing on your heart, as soon as you hear from God and you grow in this grace and giving and you commit to it, you're going to see miracles. Here's the other thing you're going to see. I guarantee you, as soon as you commit to give something, as soon as you commit to taking that next step, I guarantee you, you will be hassled by the enemy. Difficulties are going to come up. Satan's going to distract you. He doesn't want you to grow in your faith. He doesn't want you to learn to grow in this grace of giving. Conflict is the enemy's way that keeps us distracted. So you can expect conflict. You can expect something to come up. But I also guarantee you, you will experience joy. When people learn to set big goals and big dreams and root them in Christ, you just get happy. So take this out. One of the main things about this is a commitment. I just want to walk us through this commitment. And this is like our altar time for today. I've seen three different commitments for the most part. Three reactions. Yes, no, and maybe. 
yes looks like this. There are people in this church, and I can say up here, I can stand up here saying, hey, we're going to get everybody in the church season passes and carowinds for the glory of God. And it, it doesn't matter. They trust the vision. They trust what God's saying. They're in no matter what. I can say we're going to go buy that piece of land over there. And they'll be like, yes, let's go. There are people that are going to say yes no matter what. There are people in this church that when they hear God speaks, they are in. They get it. They don't need anything called the hope fund. Tell, tell me the need. Tell me the vision I'm in because I trust God. I trust our pastor. I trust our leadership. I trust them. And they'll say, yeah. Some people will say no. And, and no matter what we say or how we say it or, or what video comes up, they're just going to say no no matter what we say. And it, it doesn't make a person bad or in sin if they say no. And if it's your first time here, say no today. Say, learn more about us before you commit anything, okay? Take some time to get to know us. Long hellos, short goodbyes, okay? No pressure. A yes right out the gate would be kind of weird. But why do people say no? I've seen two common reasons. One is because they're, they're currently in a lot of pain. And when you're in a lot of pain, you can't think about anything else at, at that time. You just can't. There's some people who are going through a bitter divorce, or they are just debilitated by their cancer treatments. And the last thing on their mind is, oh, I wonder what, what the church is doing. Can I tell you something? That's okay. We love you. How can we help you? Because that's what church, that's what a church does. We help people who are in pain. We don't condemn them. We bring hope. That's why we exist. Some people say no because they're in pain. Some people say no because they're they're just consumers. They, they have served at the altar of the American calf, and they have no idea where all the stuff around them comes from. They think Tinkerbell flew through here and put the pews in the building one day. I don't know. They have no idea how much money it costs to facilitate a community of people and a church. They never think, I wonder who paid for that parking lot out there. They don't get it that people, people cashed in retirement years ago. They, they sold stocks. They sold, they sold, they, they gave of their income. They, they don't understand it. They're just, they're just consumers. Like, no, I'm not going to give. That's just not, that's, that ain't me right now. And I'm not condemning people who say no for that. I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying, like, those are some reasons why people say no. Other people say maybe. They're like, I, I, I will maybe, but I need more information. I'm willing to give. I like it, but I, I need more information. I think that's great. Here's my question to the babies. What is, and, and it's not a question you need to answer for me, it's a question you need to answer for yourself. What is it that you need to reconcile to make that decision? Another question I would ask you is, what is God saying to you? Because God never tells us to withhold blessing. You know what, when we look at this card, and you're maybe you're a maybe. Maybe you just put on here, hey, I just need to talk. I need to get more information. I just want to sit and talk with, with Pastor Nate or somebody on our board. I just want some more. Put your stuff down. We'll, we'll, we'll talk with you. Because can I tell you something? AFA, we are growing. We are growing in our faith. And that growing faith is going to push out the boundaries that exist when it comes to ministry from this church. And we are growing in the grace of giving. And we are a church that is a safe place for the families in this community. And we are reaching the next generation for Christ. We're a church that is moving forward. And like Paul said, we are not going to just sit on the past and say, look at how great it used to be. Oh, no. We're a church that's going to move past that and forward. And our best days aren't behind us, they're in front of us. Would you stand with me and hold this card with me? What I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer of commitment. And what I'd like for you to do over this song and over these next few moments is I'd like for you to take this card. I'd like for you to fill it out. 
And even if you don't have a number, like last week we talked about tithe. You put your tithe number there. You put your hope fund number by the hope fund. But if you need to talk, you just put, I need to talk. Put your information there. And, and you know what? On your way out, we have these boxes. They're at every exit. They say tithes and offerings. Drop this in the box. Please, please don't leave and, and not, not participate. Everybody gives. Everybody's in. God is doing something through you. And he is speaking to you. What's he saying? Dear Jesus, I pray over these next few moments. As we just take a simple card and a simple commitment. This is, a, this is an act of worship. It's a spiritual commitment. Saying, God, we, we don't really know what the next 40 years hold in this church. But we know who holds the next 40 years. God, we don't know exactly what you're going to do through us. All we know is that we are ready, we are willing, and we're committed. And maybe today, as we talk about all this stuff, there's some folks you'd say, Nate, I'm, I mean, okay, I can pray through that, but I'm not even right with Jesus today, man. I just need to make things right with Jesus. If there's anybody like that today, I just want to pray a simple prayer, and you can pray it with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you're a Savior. I'm a sinner. I believe you died and you rose from the dead. I believe that you're making all things new, and that includes me. And I give my life to you so that I can follow you, so that I can know you, so that I can grow in my faith and in the ways of Jesus. Because your way is life. Will you take the next few moments and get a pen out? Maybe there's one in the pew. Make those commitments. And before we say our final prayer today, take that thing and pray over it. Drop it in those boxes on your way out. I'll give you a report next week, and you'll hear us talking about these commitments over the over the next part of the year, especially with each project that comes up. Just take the next few moments. Don't duck out early. Just take the next few moments. Make your commitments. Write your stuff down, and we'll dismiss in prayer in a moment.